Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Tonight. Raging Dave, Dave Amato. How are you tonight, Dave? I am very good, sir. Coming off of a wonderful Saturday. Uh, actually, had a had a really good weekend. Cajuns uh, a big win, and and then the Saints followed it up with a uh, a big win, even though they lost Jameis Winston. And then I got to watch. I know you're not a big fan, but I got to watch my Astros keep it alive for one at least one more day. <laughs> Well, I'm not a big fan, but I'm a baseball guy, and I want to see Game 7. I think that is the ultimate. I think it's kind of, to me, almost anticlimactic where you get Game 5. It's over in five games or six games. I want it to go down to the last. I'd love for it to go down the last out. I'm not sure I need a walk-off from either team because I don't want to be hearing, oh, this was the greatest World Series in the last 50 years. No, it wasn't. It's not. It's the greatest one that you remember because – you know, we right. all the so. uh, it looks selfishly. I wanted to go to a game seven as well because that means the Astros are in it all the way till the end. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, after the first inning grand slam last night, I didn't have a whole lot of confidence that they were going to be able to hang in there. But uh, man, they they played the next eight innings very well. They didn't play the first inning well, but they played eight innings after that. They outscored them nine to one, so it was a it was a good night to be a, a, a or a good weekend to be a, a Cajun Saints and Astros fan. So uh, hopefully we can keep it going tomorrow night and uh, get get it to Game Seven. Well, I I, I know we talked off air and, and said we weren't going to talk about last week in the Sun Belt, but let's talk a little bit about the Cajuns game there. And, yeah. Uh, how surprised were you? I guess. Uh, well, a couple of things surprised me. First of all, I. I had watched Texas State play the week before, and I had seen that Brady McBride had gotten injured, but he played the entire game. I had no idea, to be honest with you, that he was not going to be available for that game. And they kept that very secretive up until game time. I mean, he was – my understanding was he was, you know, going to be playing it. He was never listed on any injury report. The coach did not talk about it in his press conference. I, I, I was shocked when I got out there. I'll tell you what happened. They got the ball, and they came out, and I looked down, and, and, and Tyler Vitt is a much larger human being than Brady McBride is. And I looked down, and I told the guy next to me, I said, that's, that's not Brady McBride. I said, and he was like, who's that? I said, that's their quarterback. I said, that's not their starting quarterback. I said, I don't know what's going on. And after the first play, um, they announced, you know, handed the ball off. Tyler Vitt hands the ball off and it was a fumble. And I was like, Tyler Vitt, that's their backup. And 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 I thought, well, maybe maybe they're going to split time. He played the whole game. And, and I think that, look, I think the Cajuns would have still won the game. But... I do believe that uh, that Texas State would have made it a, a little bit better game had Brady McBride played. There's no question about that. But I think the Cajuns still would have won the game. They, their defense played very well. The the offense played once it got going. Took forever early in the game, but once it got going, the Cajuns' offense looked good as well. So I think we're the better team, no question about it, in in all phases. And, and look, a big shout out to uh, Nate Snyder. Um, you know, missing that first field goal, but he came back and played really well in the next three field goals. I was really proud to have to, to get him to get those kicks uh, and, and make them. Maybe they could build some confidence for later in the season. Yeah, I, I mean, even talking with Brant Freeman, I had no idea that Tyler Vitt was going to be the quarterback, and he never mentioned it. And I'm not—I'm sure he 
if he knew, I'm sure. And I don't expect him to give me inside information. Sure. <laughs> but at the same time, it would have been nice off 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 air or something, Brant, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Brant's a good dude. And, and uh, but here, here's what here's now strictly this is the, uh, again. If, if if I were to tell you that Tyler Vitt was six for only six for 13. And he was their leading rusher. Yeah. Yeah. You would expect, you would expect the score to be exactly what it was. Yeah. And look, we've seen Tyler Vitt play before. He was the starter pre uh, McBride. Right. And, 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 and he's a talented kid. He can run. We know he can run. He's athletic. He's a big lumbering guy, but he, when he wants to take the ball upfield, he can't. His, his problem has been throwing the ball and he was, it was obvious in that game. It really surprised me that as bad as they were struggling, they didn't move to one of their two backups. Those are both P5 transfers. Um, one's from NC State, and I forgot where the other one was from, but they're, they're both uh, guys who were recruited by P5 schools. And look, when you're down late in the third quarter, as bad as they were, I'm shocked that they didn't get one of those guys in the game um, to see if they could be a little bit. And and maybe McBride's not hurt that bad that he'll come back and he can play later in the season. But you would have thought they would have wanted to see those other two guys or at least one of them and see if they've got something that they can work with. Well, yeah, no, it was it was crazy. Yeah. In, in the, in the uh, I'm trying to see if I can find it here, but it seems to me like Texas State came out with some cryptic message almost today that uh well i saw the athletic director sent out an email or a a twitter yeah uh, a tweet that said something to the effect of hey this isn't what we we want but didn't sound like he was going in a different direction i guess yet all right you know I, i get it they're not playing well yeah, it, it was very cryptic. Like you was, you know, he's had meetings with Jake Spadaval, and he's going to talk to him and trying to, you know, they're 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 going to try to make this team as good as it can. Be. But it just looked weird. And look, if, if I'm if I'm the head coach, it, it doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, it, I, I'm I'm pulling it up now, it, but it it never, you know, it didn't give him confidence, and it didn't give him you know no, didn't pull right. the rug out from under his feet. So. Uh, well, Usually when you hear someone say that they are uh, committed to a certain person, that's usually a hint that they're not committed to that person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it is what it is. We've already played them. And, and you know, if they go Move in a different on. direction, we'll talk about it another time. Um, sure. You know, but st- still very interesting, very, very weird. Uh, but yeah. we're not going to talk about uh, Thursday night's game because, well, at least not yet. We're going to talk about it, I should say. So let's move on to the weekend. Uh, for a first time in a long time, we've got four Saturday games in the Sun Belt. Uh, first one being App State at Arkansas State. Uh, after the, you know, I said we weren't going to look back, but at the same time, South Alabama just, you know, pulverized Arkansas State. I, I think that I, I think App State's going to do the same thing. And I tell tell me if I'm wrong there, or tell me something different, yeah. or tell me what your thoughts are. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. App app seems to look, we I think we gave them a little bit of a wake up call. And uh, obviously, you know, we're a better team than the last two teams that they played. But 
I think app app is just saying, look, we're going to, they, they're in the driver's seat in the East and they know it. Um, they've just got to win out and they're lucky. They've got Arkansas state this week. And I think they're going to, don't, I don't think this is going to be much of a football game. Um, I, Arkansas State struggling mightily. They can still move the ball, but but at the end of the day, they can't stop anybody. And App's offense seems to be clicking right now. I think App's going to roll in that game, to be honest with you. Well, it's one of those things that they're not going to be looking ahead because they're going to have uh, South Alabama at home, and then they head to Troy, and then they've yep. got Georgia Southern home. Nice, nice way to finish the regular season there for App State. So, uh, I, I say that I don't think they're going to be looking ahead to South Alabama because. Look, look, South and Troy can be tough teams for them. Yeah. Much tougher than Arkansas State and probably ULM were. But at the end of the day, if App plays like they are capable of, that nobody on their schedule should be able to beat them. I think of the two games, so I think of the two games with South and, and App, I think the, the thing there is that uh, South is at home for App State and yeah. Troy is on the road. That's. That's the one I think will be a little bit more difficult for him out of the two. I, now, I could see definitely that. Quite honestly, it, it, it will not surprise me if South Alabama plays better and gives them a closer game, though, too. So um, moving on, we have uh, this. I find a very intriguing game because ULM is still playing for a lot in that sense. But ULM at Texas State, and like, like we just talked about, the AD comes out with this statement saying he's supportive of, of the program and everything, but it's not the direction that he wants it to go in. Well, I ULM could could turn around and, for lack of a better term, bitch slap them into next week and and maybe a firing yeah. of a coach. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I'm going to tell you what's, what's shocking to me to even have these words utter out of my mouth is – ULM is by far the better football team uh, of these two teams. I mean, I think now a lot of it's going to depend if Tyler Vitt is the quarterback or if they have to go to one of these two backups or if Brady McBride is back healthy and can play. Texas State might be a little a little better if McBride's a quarterback, but if they got to start Tyler Vitt or one of these other two young guys that haven't played for him, uh, I think I think ULM, even though it's on the road, I think ULM should. Uh, they should win this game. They're such a hard team to to tell. They've played some really bad football, and then they've played some really good football. Um, so you don't know what you're going to get, but they seem to be kind of you know. Look, I get it. They got they got you know pretty demolished last week, but yeah. but overall they're playing pretty good football. And I think I think at the end of the day, between these two teams, UL Monroe. If they play up to their capabilities, they they should win the game. Texas State is a three and a half point favorite, which means it's basically a a, a push. Yep. Yeah, uh, considering that they're playing at Texas State, so I, I, I look it, it. That's probably going to be that one, and probably the next one we're going to talk about. I think are going to be the two games, and and obviously the Cajun game, which I think can be a, a it's got a possibility of being a pretty good game. But those are the, the there's some good football this week in the Sun Belt. There's well, some, UN still got a lot to play for. They're they're second yeah. in the South, and, and if they can if they can take this game, and then move forward on to the next their their next couple games, I mean it's one of those things that Look. Arkansas State now they're not going to beat LSU, right? Well, 
and hopefully they're not going to beat us, but if they can win their next two games, where does that put them at? That puts them at six six and six. six. So that's a bowl eligible. So they've got a lot to play. I think they're going to come out inspired. And I really like what Terry Bowden's doing up there right now. So completely, completely shocked at how quick, not that he didn't turn it around because I expected he would turn them around to a decent football team. I didn't expect it in year one. Yeah. Uh, because they had so many holes on that team to build off of, but he's doing it with, with some smoke and mirrors because they've got some, some, some areas of concern on that football team, but he's, he's, you know, he's putting the product out there. that's playing hard every week. Well, not to kick a dog when it's down, but I tell you what, I wish, I wish they were playing Louisiana tech this year and see how, those, <laughs> see, how see if that dog could bite, but. Ooh, uh, they've got they've that. got bigger things to worry about than ULM. That separation yeah. is really getting looking good for them right now. They are totally looking moving awesome. away from the Cajuns and and, and <laughs> ULM. So good for them, yeah. guys. Great separation. More power. It worked power out time. well. So this is a game here that I think, if I remember correctly, I think the home team has won quite a bit in this series. But South yeah, Alabama at Troy. Uh, again, South Alabama is, is playing for second place in the West. Uh, Both of these teams are playing for something important. Yeah. Obviously, it's a it's a it's a rivalry game because you got South Alabama and Troy. But but more than that, Troy's four and four, and look, they're not a bad football team. They you know, they played really well against Coastal last week. They they got a chance to become bowl eligible by the end of the year. South Alabama's one game away from being bowl eligible, still yep. trying to fight for second place in the in the West. Um, Troy's obviously a little behind the East because there's three teams at three and one in the East. But but look, they're still trying to get bowl eligible, and, and they they want to get to a bowl game this year. And they need to they need to do that because, quite honestly, next week it's 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 Louisiana over at Troy, and they have App State at Troy. Those are going to be back to back games that will be very difficult. Now, I'm not saying exactly. they can't win them, but be very difficult for them to win. Now, in Georgia State right now is in second place at three and one. Yeah. In, in, in the, in the West or no, I'm sorry. Georgia the State's East. at three at one on in the East actually yeah. and tied with App State for uh, App State and Coastal at three and one. And obviously App State yeah. has the, uh, the tiebreaker against Coastal. So, so but, Troy's, Troy's running through a little bit of a murderous row, right? Yeah. Um, when you look at the four games that they play in a row, South Alabama being the easiest of those four games. And South Alabama is a pretty pretty decent football team, but they went coastal, South, Louisiana, and App. Yeah, it, it doesn't get much tougher than that in the conference. So, so they're gonna they've got a battle. They, the game's at home. Troy's a four point favorite. So you're again you're you're almost looking at a push there um, by Vegas. Could give just giving Troy the the home field advantage. Um, I watching Troy the other night play coastal i'm really impressed with their defense uh, i think my personal opinion and, and you may tell me if i'm wrong i think wrong. troy wins no. this game <laughs> i think troy wins this game specifically because they're at home oh you know I, I would love to say yes but then again history doesn't have that on their side right now right. and as we're talking i'm going to try to pull up south alabama's uh 
the Jaguars football schedule here because it should tell me if it's similar to ours. Where uh, the history with yeah. between the two teams. So uh, I do have it up, so I didn't take me on history here. Uh, South Alabama is three and six against, against them. Okay. Um, well, they're two and two away and one and four at home. So I guess really okay. not. I mean, they've only played, you know, shoot. It's quick math here, Craig, nine times. So uh, I, I'm lying to everybody. Sorry, guys. <laughs> one and four at home. So South Alabama has lost at home, but they're two and two. So in the last matchup, but I mean, it's hard to tell with this, you know. Oh, here we go. Here, here it is. So fun to watch this week they lost at home they lost away the year oh wait no here's the last four uh they lost at home they lost away they lost at home one away lost at home one away one all right so never mind i don't know where i came up with that stat it would have sounded <laughs> better it would have sounded better if i wouldn't even said anything because i'm not sure anybody would have called bullshit <laughs> on me but i would love it if they would right i, I mean we're not trying to give out bad yeah, information this is it might be the adult this beverage. Is a game I'm going to be flipping between uh, – because these games are on simultaneously, yes. the UL Monroe and Texas State game and the South Alabama Detroit. I will be flipping between those two games because those those two have the – look, UL Monroe, I, I want to watch them because we play them soon. Yep. Right, South Alabama Troy, I think, is just going to be a really good football and game. And we play Troy so, next week. So, so. I, yeah, and we play Troy next week, so – so at the end of the day, I, I want to see both of these games. Uh, oh, I will have I, I, want to I will have these two games on uh, one TV each, and then a uh, probably a national game uh, right. of a of top twenty five team on the center TV. So I will have three games going for this weekend, and it'll be fun. So, all righty, uh, moving on. You know, and I, if we if we go back, and please nobody go back and listen to our. Uh, Conference East or uh, Sunbelt East Conference division standings. When I said this was going to be Coastal coming to Georgia Southern and Georgia Southern was going to give Coastal a good dose of Southern hospitality there and, and whoop them you in the butt. Feel, you still feel that way, Craig? And I am not feeling the love right now. And I'm hoping a little reverse, reverse psychology works right here. So. Uh, I uh, yeah, I think if I'm not mistaken, didn't you pick Georgia Southern second? Or I, I did, I did. Yeah, I thought so. I didn't write it down, or maybe I did. I just got to find my notes. Yeah, I've got my notes here somewhere. Oh, did is that what fell in the trash can? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, look, I don't. This is going to be similar to the app game this week. It's a Coastal's a twenty point favorite, and I. And they haven't played extremely well the last couple of weeks, um, but they are a much better football than Georgia, football team than Georgia Southern right now. And I don't think this game is is close. I think I think Coastal runs away with it. I agree with you. So, um, well, before we take our break, Dave, uh, what, what are you having there in your uh, adult beverage class? I have a. You're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna really make you happy to hear this. I've got a uh, heavy hands uh, double IPA from Spindle Tap Brewing out of Houston. Oh my God! I, First of I, all, I love. I, I love I, when you when you hear me drink the double IPAs. Double IPA crap. I mean, I'm not sure what we're dealing with here. 
Well, I have gone off the rails tonight totally. I'm I'm drinking a scotch tonight. I'm using oh, wow. a whiskey, a, a bourbon or a rye guy. And tonight I am drinking a whiskey technically, not technically. It's probably old. It's the oldest whiskey, probably. Uh, I'm drinking a Glenmorangie Highland single malt scotch whiskey that was finished in a Quintuina Reuben port cast finish. Aged 12 years, non-chilled filtered. And I am going to tell you, it is going down quite smoothly tonight and it's outstanding. I think it would be much better with a cigar, but for health reasons, I'm not smoking cigars right now. So it is what it is. So, but how do you do a double IP? I mean, what the heck is that? Is it just got more I in it then? Or, you know, what, I mean, what makes it a double IPA? Come on, talk to me, educate me. Well, usually the double, look, I've, I've had as much as a quadruple IPA at one point. Um, but it's usually, it's based on, a lot of it's based on uh, how they make it, but more importantly, the amount of alcohol that is is in it. This is a, this is an 8% uh, by volume uh, double IPA, whereas most of your regular single IPAs are around six or seven. And then when you get into the triples, you can be up into a 10 or 11. And the quadruple I had, I think was 14. Uh, so. Now they are, now I'm going to tell you, for those beer drinkers out there and IPA drinkers out there, if you drink a quadruple IPA, uh, and I don't, I'm, I'm not a fan of them at all. It's very. Oh, come on back here, Dave. You're, I'm going to have to pause us all for a second here. We'll be right. Sorry about that, Dave. I didn't inter had to interrupt you. We got cut off there a little bit. Our internets are playing fun and we went through this last week. Uh, it's my fault probably most of the time and I'll blame you when I'm off the air, but, uh, <laughs> Come back, uh, come back to me with your quadruple IPA. I understand you said the alcohol, and you were saying it. Yeah. You weren't a fan it, of them, so no, it, because at that point it's almost worthwhile to switch over to a whiskey or a drink bourbon because of the heavy alcohol content in it. It's no longer a beer to me. It's it's it now it's you're and if you're going to do that, why not just drink a, a whiskey in the first place? Well, uh, that's I mean and, that's what you should be drinking in the first place anyway. But it sounds to me like this double and quadruple IPA is this uh, some kind of made up bullshit that there are no standards for and they just do it and put some tag on it. It's kind of like small batch bourbon. There's no definition of small batch. Small batch to one can be seven, you know, two barrels or five barrels or six right. barrels. To another one, it could be 50 or 70 barrels. Whereas, you know, so it's just made up shit all the time. It's a marketing ploy. Yes. Well, let's go ahead and take our first break. You're listening. We're talking with Craig Malasa and Dave Amato. We'll be right back after this short and brief message. Back on, we're talking tonight. Craig Malasa, Dave Amato, Raging Dave. Talk to me here. Let's start out. With, we're going to go ahead and uh, normally we go for the defense first, but I'm feeling like there's so much to talk about on the offense. Let's start at the quarterback. What's going on there? Big news coming out of uh, Atlanta today. Yeah. Yeah, today, actually, um, we found out that the the gentleman who was supposed to be their starting quarterback when the season started and did start the year, Cornelius, he goes by Quad Brown, uh, had lost his starting job after Excuse the me. second week. Is he te is Quad Brown the fourth? Cornelius he Brown is. the fourth? Is that why the Quad? I, is. Thought, I thought I remember hearing that. All right. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. No, that's that's fine. He um, so he lost his starting job and he had played sparingly uh, in some games 
and uh, after he had lost the job, but um, he has decided as of today that he is entering the transfer portal, which gives the job completely to uh, Darren Granger, who's been playing most of the snaps since the second or third week of the season. The, the, the interesting thing is um, uh, Granger is a, he can run, he likes to run and he's, one of the leading rushers on the team, even though he didn't play in the first two games of the season. Um, but their backup is a freshman who has, I, I think he threw a few, he threw a completed one pass last year, but he has not played at all this year. Uh, so they don't have anything behind uh, Granger right now uh, as far as their backup quarterback goes. So it'll be interesting to see if they change the dynamic of how they play the game with, with quad Brown no longer being on the, on the team. So it, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they, how they run this. Yeah. I, I, I was a little shocked at the news coming out, but at the same time, it didn't, I mean, it's it's not always easy to make everybody happy, and as we're yeah. seeing in the transfer portal right now, it's really not much of a, but uh, much to do. I'm laughing at something I just received. I'm sorry, and I'm not going to go into it right now. But let's move on to the running back. Similar situation there as the quarterback. Very similar. So they had a really good running back that we saw last year, Destin Coates, who was the starting running back there um, and rushed for like 800 yards and seven touchdowns. And and uh, he had kind of slipped down the depth chart. And Oh, got you paused again. I'm going to cut us off right now before we get back to the running back. Sorry about that, Dave. A little miscommunication there on our end. Uh, I know the uh, – uh transferring out so uh, where are we going from there yeah so Destin Coates is transferring out as well so they lost a, a running back and a quarterback in the last two weeks so that's uh that's going to be you know it's a, like I said both of these guys had slipped down the depth chart so it's not going to affect them as far as who they've been who's been playing in those spots but it really affects their depth at those positions uh, specifically for Georgia State, who is a team who likes to run the ball. They want to run the ball. Um, and, and they've got a good one that's kind of taken over the job. It's a great story, too. Um, Tucker Gregg was a walk-on um, for, for the Panthers. And uh, he's been in the system, I think, three years now, maybe four years. And uh, he's just worked his way to becoming the starting running back. And he's the main guy. They got another guy, Jamius Williams, who's behind him. But um, Tucker Gregg's a, a, a tough, he's a bowling ball. He's, uh, he's 5'10", 220. And I'm going to tell you, he is hard to bring down. I've watched him play a couple of games this season. And he is a bull in a china shop when he gets the ball. He's not going to outrun a lot of people, but he is – he is going to hit you hard every time he runs. And he, he he reminds you a little bit of a Trey Regis where he doesn't get tackled for loss very often. He's usually going forward when he's running the ball. Now, I don't think he has the – he doesn't have the ability to break away like, like Trey Regis did, but he's going to get four or five yards of carry. Yeah, the two of them combined for 184 yards last week. Uh, back to Darren Granger for there for a little bit. It looks like he, he – you know, I don't know if he's technically if he if, if what we'd call a running quarterback or if it was just, you know, sometimes it's guys that have to run for their lives. 
but he had 10 carries. Uh, yeah. And I don't know how many of them, uh, only 13 yards for a loss. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of hard for me to tell if that was, you know, one play or two plays or three where he was sacked. Yeah. So. The little bit I've seen of him this year, he, he, he will tuck it and run when he gets a chance. He's okay. not afraid to run the ball. Um, so, so he's, He's going to be a guy that we've got to keep an eye on because he can run the ball. So what are, moving from there, what are we looking at the wide receiver tight end spot, the receivers out there? I mean, are, are these guys that are going to get catches or, you know? I, uh, yeah, look, again, this team is – it's a run-first team, and they want to run the ball. But they will spread it around a little bit. They've done a good job of throwing to a lot of different receivers – um, they've got, uh, they're probably their leading guy is a guy of Jamari thrash. Um, and, and it, they, they only have 11 touchdown pass receptions on the season, but three guys have combined for nine of them. And, and all three of them have three each. And, and one of those guys is a tight end. They do. This is one thing that they utilize a lot. Their running backs do not catch the ball at all. I think the three main running backs, combined for like four or five catches this year but their tight ends catch a lot of passes they've got two different tight ends on this football team that both have over 12 receptions and i'm sorry one is 11 the other one has 12 but they go to the tight end a lot aubrey Payne has three touchdowns on 12 catches and Roger Carter has a one touchdown on 11 catches. So they do utilize the tight end a lot more than most of the teams that we have faced this year. I love the tight end position when we had Ladarius green and guys like that yeah. coming around. I thought that was uh, very special and something that uh, I wish we would utilize more. Uh, and I know you have to have the right guy there to do that, but it opened. And you also have to have, uh, you have to have a, a quarterback that can that that's tall enough to to see yeah. over lineman too so it's very interesting i think that i want to say their quarterback is not a small person either uh, no he's a, he's a he's a tall lanky fella um so he that's part of the reason they throw a lot to the tight end but we're this is if you're a tight end guy this is a team that, that we're you're going to enjoy watching um them utilize that tight end because like, like i said we've we've got some pretty, what i think are some pretty good tight ends but we don't utilize them enough now, there's reasons why we don't, yeah. but, but this team, this team does, and, and you're going to see a lot of, they're going to, they're going to look for them, but again, they don't throw to the running backs at all. So a lot of it is, it's not a lot of check downs when they do check down, they check down to, to, to a tight end instead of to a running back. Yeah. I noticed that the, I, I don't know if enough about their team. It looks like though, that a couple of guys that did get rushes during the game were thrown to, but they, they were for losses. So it, Looks like it might have been a swing pass out of the backfield that they they were knocked down for a yep. loss. So where yeah. where are we going though with this? So if if they're a if they're a run first team, and I think I saw sixteen passes to forty rushes last week. So definitely run first. So yep. is that offensive line? Are they going to be big enough and strong enough to push our guys around to allow them to run the ball? I guess is the question. Because if they fall behind, I have a feeling it's going to be very difficult for them to pass. Yeah. Um, so so what's interesting about their offensive line is they're not the biggest guys in the world. They only actually have one guy that's over 300 pounds, but he's a tank. Uh, Travis Glover is their left tackle at 6'6", 330. The rest of them are all around 295. But they're athletic guys and have been together a long time. 
Those five guys have 137 starts combining together coming into the year, and they've played almost every snap this year. So they're a they're a really solid offensive line. Um, their best guy is probably at left guard, Shamaris Green Gilmore. Um, uh, he's only he's six three two ninety five, but he's really good. And they're when they run, they're going to run a lot to the left side of the uh, of the line. Their their left guard is probably their best player. Travis Glover's their biggest offensive lineman, and their center is is pretty good as well. All three of those guys were on Phil Steele's preseason uh, Sun, all Sun Belt team in different spots. Yeah. Um, but but those so if they're going to run the ball, look for them to run the ball towards the left side of the line because that's where the the the, the better offensive linemen are. But they're all good and they're all experienced. Very good. Overall, what's your thought on the offense as far as what's going on, as far as what they're going to do and things like that? Yeah, I think we touched on it a little bit. They uh, look, they're going to run the ball first. That's what they want to do. They, they want to try to pound the ball as much as they can, and they're going to open it up for a few passes uh, here and there. They don't throw the ball deep a lot there. I mean, most of their receivers are around 10 yards a catch. So it's, it's really run, 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 throw the ball, run, 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 throw the ball. So, so we'll see how they do it. I think they're going to try to do the same thing against us. They're not going to mix it up that much. They don't score a lot of points. They only average in like 24 points a game. So, and they, they only average, they average less than 400 yards a game. So they're not a team that puts up a ton of yards. They just, they play solid defense and they, they, they try, this was a neat number that I saw, you know, they, they run the ball a lot, but they, they don't have the, a big advantage in time of possession. They actually are down at, at like 20, 32 to 27, I think overall on time of possession for the year. So for a team that you would think that would run the ball a lot, they would own the clock. They don't. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting. We're just going to, you know, Cajuns have been pretty good against the designed runs. I keep saying this every week where we get in troubles when the quarterback can run a lot, but when they just try to hand it off and beat us, the Cajun defense has been pretty solid most of the season. Yeah. It's interesting. This last week, they actually, uh, Georgia Southern actually held the ball nine minutes longer than Georgia state did, which is yeah. an amazing stat because both teams like to run the ball. And it's just, you know, I just find that, in George with Georgia Southern losing that just, you know, I, mean, I know it was a close game, 21, 14, but that's just, wow. Amazing stat there. Yeah. So, no, nope, no. Nope. So that's a, like I said, they're, it's going to be our, I think our strength on defense against their strength on offense. Well, I, I, I think we saw it this weekend. I don't think our defensive backs actually get enough credit because we got so many guys back back there playing. So, and quite honestly, if they don't get to see a pass thrown at them, I'm happy with that. But I think we're gonna, right. we're gonna if, if Georgia State wants to hang with the Cajuns, uh, offensively they're gonna have to throw the ball. So, all right. Well, we're gonna be right back after this. Uh, you've been listening to we're talking with Craig Malonso and Dave Amato. We'll be back and talk Georgia Southern, Georgia State defense. Man, that's a faux pas. I do not want to miss. And we're back with, we're talking Craig Malonso on Dave Amato. Dave, Georgia State's defense, let's start with the line. What kind of defense are we going to see there? 
Yeah, they they they. So we get back to a traditional three four defense. We don't have that crazy three three five that we saw last week with all the defensive backs running around. Um, they, they like they're solid up front, but but that's not their their strength is in the middle uh, at the linebacker position. But they get some good players at the at the in the front three. Uh, but they rotate a bunch of guys um, going through their stats and watching some of the game. They probably play six or seven guys on the defensive front, um, just rotating these guys in and out. Nobody puts up huge stats, but they all play quite a bit. So similar to a Billy Napier style, you're going to get a lot. You're going to see a lot of bodies being run out there on the defensive line. Uh, and, and, and look, I think that's a as for any coach, I think that's the better option. All right, Dave. Sorry about that again. You said better option, and then I kind of lost you there. I, I I see that I'm have to do a better job with my internet, which I don't know what to. Probably need to start turning my work computer up. I know it wants to be an internet hog at times. So, uh, but so no, what I was saying was, if you've got the ability to do that, to run six and seven different defensive linemen out there, because those are guys who are going to get tired quicker uh, than any other position on the football team. That the offensive line. Then, then that's a good thing. It's a good problem to have, and I think, I, I think with them, uh, it's kind of uh, not as much of because they are that good on the defensive line. It's just they have a lot of bodies. Um, their best guy there is probably a guy by the name of Javon Dennis. Um, but, but overall, like I said, it's a it's a hodgepodge of six and seven guys that we're going to see, and they're going to rotate them quite a bit. Um, and that's not the case when we get to the linebackers. The linebackers are a pretty stable group, but and they're a good group too. Yeah, it seems to me though that that's going to be advantage Cajun Cajuns because we're going to be able to play a hurry up offense and not yep. allow them to 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 move guys in and out. And I'm hoping that I mean I don't want to tell Billy Napier how to do his job, but I've been drinking, so I'm going to say, hey Billy, you know, let's run up tempo here. I don't care. Yep. You know, I don't care if it's off, off, off tackle right, off tackle left. Let's, you know, throw it, you know, throw it out to a swing pass. I think we got to keep moving the ball till we get till till we get a good lead, and then let's slow it down. Let them do what they do. But hey, if let's they, play our game. If we play with the tempo that we're capable of, it could keep them from rotating those guys and put them at a real disadvantage, especially with our big, big offensive line that's been playing better and better each week since they've. You know, had to make the move to to Gilly being a permanent starter. I, I think wow. these guys are really getting they're getting their feet under them. They're getting used to playing out of position because, like we talked about earlier, a lot of these guys are in different positions. I think that is an advantage, Cajuns, in this in this football game. Well, I no longer consider them out of position. That is their position now, and they've been able to practice there for a couple of weeks. So sure. it's one of those things that knock on wood, we don't get anybody else hurt. But yeah, I yeah. think I, to me that's their position now, and they've learned that, and they've learned to play and practice there all week. So I think definitely is a good thing, and I think it's definitely a good thing when you're coming into a short week like this. Yeah. So let's move on to the linebackers. You said that's the strength of their defense, and I often mm -hmm. wonder sometimes is that because the defensive line can't tackle anybody? Is that why they're 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 that's the strength of their line, or is it the other it's way? It's possible, but I'm going to tell you, they've got Blake Carroll's their, their horse at linebacker, and he's a good one. He's second on the team in tackles, but
but he's first in the team in tackles for loss and sacks. Okay. Uh, he is, he's the guy you've got to watch out for. He's an outside linebacker. He's coming quite a bit and he's going to be a disruptor. He's going to get in the backfield and make some noise. Uh, and then they've got an inside linebacker who's first on the team uh, in Jordan Venezel. And uh, he's another good one. He's got 65 tackles. He's not as big of a sack guy or a tackle for loss guy, but he just he's just a tackle machine. Those two guys, and, and look, there's other guys in that linebacker group, yeah. but those guys are by far the, the best two. And they're going to, you know, I, I equate it to the Cajuns, right? Farad, you know, when Farad's healthy, Farad Gardner and and like a Chauncey Manak. Those guys are just hard to block, and, and they they seem to be around the ball all the time when they're playing well, and and that's kind of what what Georgia State has with Blake Carroll and, and Jordan Benzio. Yeah, I, no, I get that. And when when you when you start to talk about leading the, the in tackles for a loss and sacks, that's quite different than having them downfield tackling the guy after four or five yards. So no, yeah. I, I I will I will humbly agree with you that the linebacker seems to be the 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 top of here, but. Let's go to the defensive backfield because we're seeing the Cajuns more and more with a little play action and not only play action, but we're seeing the Cajuns throw more down the field in the last three or four games than we probably have in Billy's tenure here. Now, don't get me wrong. We've taken shots down the field, but I think it's been much more evident that this is a this is something he wants to do this season. Yeah, they've got a they've got a really good corner in Quavian White. I watched him play last week, and they were the, the announcers were talking quite a bit about him and how good he really is. And and he's a he's kind of their shutdown guy. And then you know their other their other corners okay. Uh, now Quavian White doesn't get picked on a lot because they they go the other the other side of the ball, which is a, a neat stat that I was looking at. But the, the other cornerback has eight break. He leads the team in breakups. Uh, he's got eight of them, but a lot of that is because they throw against him more often than they do Quavian White because Quavian White is the better of the two corners. So they've got some some good defensive backs. They've also got a guy uh, back at safety who's who's a uh, second team all all Sun Belt guy in, in Tavius Lane. So they've got a couple of really good players back there, but but I think there is some opportunity for the Cajuns to expose them. Uh, specifically not going against white, but going against Parquise Brown on the other side that they might be able to, to make some, make some noise there. This team only has three interceptions on the season and two of them come from the defensive backfield, but, but they do not pick off a lot of passes. Um, so I, I think, it, look, we've seen the very good in Levi. We've seen the, the, the not so good in Levi when Levi's on and he can pick apart a defense and he's got time. Levi should have an opportunity against this team. As long as he's got the time and our, our offensive line is making blocks, uh, he should be able to pick apart this defense if he's if he's playing like he's capable of. Um, before we get to the special teams, though, a little surprise, the Cajuns are only a 10-point favorite? I think it moved today to 11.5, but, yes, I was very surprised. Okay. Uh, I thought. I thought it would. Now, look, I didn't think it was going to be in the 20s like uh, some of our other games have been. But I did think it would be I, my my thought was good. It was going to be somewhere between 14 and 17. Uh, so I was I was really surprised that it wasn't. Um, and I and look, I, I said this last week and I'll say it again. And, and, and I can even add to that now. 
we have not looked good in every game that we have played, but the last three home games, the Cajuns have put together the best three games of the season, right? When we played Ohio, we played App State, and now we play Texas State. We are scoring over 40 points. And up until that point, we had only given up a few points. We gave up nothing last week. Cajuns are playing very good at home in the last three home games. If they can keep that going, I don't see like Georgia State's going to be a little bit of a, 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 a they can they can give you a good game, but I think if the Cajuns play like they're capable of and how, how they've been playing, if they put any of what they've put in the last three home games together, this game should not be much of a game. Well, I think one thing too, I think advantage Cajuns. Cajuns played at home. Georgia State was on the road right. last weekend, and even though it's a bus ride, sometimes a yeah. bus ride can be more. Well, I won't say I aggravating, to... but it can be more squashing up players and seats that, that, that bus, bus rides weren't meant for players that size, I guess. Well, well, I wanted to bring that up, too, because not only was it – look, we, we had the advantage of playing on Thursday at home, and we play on Saturday at home. They have the disadvantage of not only did they play on Saturday, on the road, and again, it wasn't a long ride, but it was a bus ride, but it was a Saturday night game, right? So these guys didn't finish playing until 9, 10 o'clock at night. They had the bus back home, right? And now they, they're, on a sh- to them, a short week. We're on an extended week, right? So I think, you know, advantage Cajuns in having that extra time to prepare for Georgia State. Remember, Georgia State was putting in their game plan for Georgia Southern and they got to turn around and figure out what they're doing. And I'm sure, like Sean Elliott's a, a, a smart coach. I'm sure he had some some practices planning for the Cajuns up until this point. But he's a short week before he's got to be on a uh, you know get ready to travel again and come to Lafayette to play the Cajun on on a short week. So advantage Cajuns on that for sure. Well, and not only that, you talked about the bus rides. It's a three hour a three hour ride by car by car from, yeah. from Statesboro to Atlanta and. You figure the game got over at 10 o'clock, 10.05, 10.12, 10.15 Eastern time. And then right. you've got an hour at least to an hour and a half before you get on that bus. So you're looking at 10.45, 11.45, let's say midnight, and then three hours, three hours plus home. So you're getting home Before at three or four in the morning. Yeah. And then, then you still, you're dropping your players off somewhere, and the majority of them are probably – driving to their apartment so right and 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 then you probably give them well, definitely you give them sunday off right so they have sunday off they come back and they practice monday and tuesday and they and gotta they be leave. off they're leaving on wednesday yeah. to go you know fly to lafayette so so yeah this is a really short week for them the, the Sun Belt did them no favors in in how they set the schedule up for them here yeah if this was the saints uh, if, if Georgia State was the Saints, Kevin Foote would be screaming right now about having the Saints having to go to Asia and then turn around turn and around. coming back and then having to go back somewhere else on a trip. He would be screaming, which I can't blame them either. You're correct. The Summer Conference did him no favor. But you know what? The Cajuns have been there, done that. So oh, stop. No, absolutely. Nobody's crying for you, brother. No, so. no. We've, we've had we've had our share of yeah. weekday games and bad scheduling and you name it. 
look, I'm glad somebody else has. We get the advantage this time, and I'm hoping the cases take care, take take you know, take account of it. Well, let's let's, let's close this out with their special teams. What can we expect there? I I know we we talked last week that uh, um, well, I, when I talked to Brent Freeman about Texas State not uh, fielding punts, he said, well, you know, honestly, the defense hasn't stopped anybody to where they punted. <laughs> So it was one of those things too. So, uh, but, yeah. so what are like we looking that, at with, uh, with, with the special teams, of Georgia state? Yeah, nothing, nothing jumps out at you. They got a pretty good punter uh, and Michael Hayes. I watched him play a little bit last week. He's averaging 42 yards a punt. So he's a pretty good guy. Um, he, 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 he gets his punts off. Uh, he does have seven of them that are over 50 yards. So when he puts his leg into it, he can kick it pretty far. Um, and their field goal kicker is consistent, but he has he's he's only attempted one field goal over 40 yards and he missed that. One. So I don't know how trustworthy they are in him from long distances, but it seems like once they get into a certain spot, they're like, OK, we know we can make that. But it doesn't seem like they're giving him a lot of opportunities to kick long field goals. Oh. Uh, and only only making six of them, though, it doesn't sound like they've given him a lot of opportunities at all. But, Right. He's six out of seven. Yeah. And the, like I said, the one that he missed was over 40 yards and he hasn't attempted any over 40 yards outside of that. So so his field goals are are fairly chip shot field goals when they get them. So so I don't know what the situation is there, um, but but yeah. look, he, he doesn't scare you too much. I don't think we'll see how that how that works out. Um, and then on kick and punt returns. And I, look, I was looking at their website when I pulled this off, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, if you're looking at their website. Quavian White, um, who is their starting cornerback and their best cornerback, seems to be their main punt returner and kick returner. He is showing on their stats to have one punt return for two yards, and he's showing that he does not have any kick, like just one or two kick returns, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. But no one, no one else is showing any kick returns. So I don't know if that's a glitch on their website, um, or if there's uh, if there's something else going on. But but if you look, I, I I see very little. Now he's a special athlete, right? But he's got no he's got no numbers for me to tell you if he's good, bad, or otherwise. And when you go to the last game, okay, here we go. Returns. Quavin White had one for twenty four yards last okay. week. Punt okay, return. so they've got a glitch. They've got a glitch on their website. So and so, uh, kickoff returns. Michael Hayes, four for two hundred forty-seven yards. Okay, that was last week against Georgia Southern. That was against Georgia Southern. Okay, okay. So yeah. they've got a glitch on their stats um, that that because it didn't look right, and I didn't think that was right. Um, but but yeah, I, I don't think they look. They don't scare me any too much with their. And I no, I take that back. Play, uh, on the punt returns, there were zero punt returns. He had one right. kickoff return for hundred uh, for twenty four yards last weekend. And that was that so, was Quavian White. Yes. Yeah. So it seems like Quavian White's their guy. He's a good athlete. He's a he's he's a special player. But but again, I look I. I, I don't feel a whole – well, we do the same thing, but with our starting running back. But I don't feel a whole lot of confidence when you're sticking one of your best athletes back there to return kicks, and he's also the guy who is your best – one of your best defensive players, right? 
Yeah, um, but you know, last last year we had they they rotated him every every other kickoff. You had either Trey Regis or, or uh, Elijah Mitchell or back there Mitchell with back Chris there. Smith. I, I know, oh. I know, I, and I think it's a little bit different when you do it with a, a three headed monster at running back because those yeah. guys don't play every down. Quavian White is an every down cornerback, right? But don't He's we see the same that, thing with for our Gardner on the punt returns? We do, we do. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm not trying to contradict you here, but. But he's not running them back. I mean, look, it's still a dangerous place to have some of your starters. Yeah. But, but no, it, look, it's 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 good and it's bad. Obviously, he's their best op, op, yeah. opportunity back there. He's the best player they're going to have. And you want to make some noise with a guy. But, man, if they lose Quavian White, they lose a ton in their defensive backfield. So, Look, we'll see. I, I'm not too scared. That this, I, the special teams for the Cajuns on, on kick returns has been getting better and better all season, specifically on punts. I, I don't, can't think of the last time somebody's really scared us with a punt return. Because uh, and, and look, a lot of that credit goes to Reese Burns, who has been phenomenal this year. Uh, but they get very little on the, the punt returns. And even though we do not kick a lot of balls deep into the end zone, I haven't seen since early in the year a whole lot of teams really busting loose on kick returns either. I think our, our kick returns have done a real good job of, 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 of stopping people. So I, I'm not scared of this, this team on their on the special teams. Um, like I said, it's, it's going to be about us stopping their running game. I, I really believe that. So I, I went back and looked at their last three games for punt returns yeah. and kickoffs, and they have had none. That that the one for twenty four yards of the kickoff was la, was last week. Uh, now I'm not going to go back and look at the rest of them. So their stats may so, be correct on their page. Yeah. So, so they do not but, they do not return a lot of kicks. Well, that that's a great point, and uh, I'll be interested to. Uh, so okay. Well. Any last words of wisdom before we depart on your double IPA night with that? No, no. Uh, I finish it off with uh, almost the same thing I've said all season. The, I, I, the crowd and the atmosphere on Saturday was amazing for an 11 o'clock start. Now, look, I'm going to be honest with you. It was a late arriving crowd. I was in the seats early. And when you first got there, it looked like it was going to be a bad crowd. And I was very disappointed. By the time we were five minutes into the game, that stadium looked amazing. The, the students showed up. The students' side looked great. I walked around and saw the, uh, the other side. And, 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 man, we had people in the upper decks. It was, it, was, it was really nice to see. And I know it was uncomfortable being a Thursday night game. Well, it's going to be uncomfortable being, you know, I mean, a Saturday morning game. It's going to be uncomfortable being a Thursday night game again. People have to work at school. I get it. But if you can show up, you need to show up. This team is playing too well for us to sit at home and not be there watching them. Well, I'm going to leave you with this. Uh, uh, a coach Robe used to say, uh, it's time to get, it, it's, it's time to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. With that, right. we'll bid you adieu tonight. So thanks to Dave. You've been listening. We're talking with Craig Malonson and our host, Dave Amato. Dave, have a great week, and we'll chat again later on. Sounds good.